Good morning and welcome to Daily Devotions um, on another Monday morning, another week. My name is Israel and I've got the privilege of sharing today's devotion with all of you. We finished last week a two-week devotion series called How to Pray. And we hope and we pray that you have received and been freshly inspired to pray in all the diverse aspects of it and that you will find genuine fruit in your personal prayer life moving forward. Today we're starting a new series called The Promises of the New Covenant and I'm so looking at unpacking this with you today and tune in with us over the next two weeks every every weekday morning at 7 a.m. It is important for us to understand everything that we've been granted access to in the New Covenant because it is exactly these things, these promises of the New Covenant, that we should be engaging our faith with. It is generally understood that the New Covenant is supposed to change the way we live and that it has bought us some sort of freedom. But we don't always understand what this freedom is. And without understanding what our freedom is, what the promises is that's been given to us, we can't really walk these promises out in our full extent. If you have your Bible with you, please turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31. And we're going to read 33 and verse 34 also. Jeremiah chapter 31. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, and I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. They all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more." It was a very long time ago that God promised to his people, the Israelites, that he was going to make a new covenant with them. Jeremiah says, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. This promise was finally given not only to the Israelites, but to all of mankind through the ministry of Jesus on earth. When Jesus led the disciples in communion at the Last Supper and the eve before his crucifixion, he said, in Luke chapter 22, verse 20, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. And so we know that through the sacrificial death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, we've been granted access to this new covenant life. And it truly is life that we've been granted access to. The word Pentecost means 50. And at the original Pentecost, not the Christian one, but the original one that happened 50 days after the exodus of the Israelites out of Egypt, Moses went up a mountain called Sinai and he was given the law and what we would call the old covenant. And when he came down from Mount Sinai with the law, he found that the Israelites had started to worship a golden calf, an idol. And so 3,000 people were found guilty because and killed because in the presence of the law that required humanity to fulfill their own sacrifice, no one was worthy. And so the giving of the law immediately led to the death of 3,000 people. About 1,300 years later, Jesus on the cross performed a sort of new exodus or a second exodus. 
This time not from an empire or nation that was holding mankind captive, but from rather the kingdom of darkness that had subjected mankind to spiritual slavery. Fifty days later, the followers of Jesus would go up to a room that we now call the upper room, and they were given the Holy Spirit. And this was the initiation of the new covenant. You see, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the law, 3,000 people were killed. But when the followers of Jesus came down with the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Peter preached a sermon and 3,000 people received the gift of eternal life. And this life is the promise of the new covenant. So let's look at this passage from Jeremiah again and let's see what exactly was promised to us in this new covenant. We can see from this passage that three things are promised here. Number one, the forgiveness of sins. It says that I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Number two, you've been promised a relationship with God. They all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. And number three, that God himself will bring about, bring about the works of righteousness in mankind. He says that I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. But these aren't the only things for us in the new covenant. Scattered through all throughout the New and the Old Testament are promises of what we've been granted access to of this new covenant life. And here are just 12 of them that I want to share with you today. Number one, God forgives all of our sins. Matthew chapter 26 verse 28 says, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Number two, that God remembers our sin no more. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 12 says, For I will be merciful towards their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. Number three, God promises never to be angry with us again. In the book of Isaiah chapter 54 verse 9 to 10, he says, This is like the days of Noah to me, as I swore that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth. So I have sworn that I will not be angry with you. I will not rebuke you. Though the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you, and my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. Number four, God qualifies us. Colossians chapter 1 verse 12 says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And number five, nothing can separate me from the love of God. Romans chapter 8 verse 39 says, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Number six, that God credits us with the perfect righteousness of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says, for our sake he made him who knew no sin to be sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Number seven, God gives us the Holy Spirit to teach us. John chapter 14, verse 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. 
Number eight, God is for us. Romans chapter eight, verse 31 says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Number nine, God is with us. Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 27 says, my dwelling place shall be with them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Number 10, God empowers us to overcome everything. 1 John chapter 5 verses 4 to 5 says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory of him that overcomes the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Number 11, God offers us his rest. Hebrews chapter 4 verses 10 to 11 says, For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. And number 12, God gives us eternal life. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So you might be wondering, what must we do to receive these promises? Simply trust in Jesus. Invite the forgiveness of Jesus into your hearts and allow his grace to permeate every aspect of your life. Let the Holy Spirit come and breathe new life into you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for all the incredible promises that's been given to us in the new covenant. Will your spirit bring to remembrance to us all that's been promised to us, everything that we've been granted access to, and will you help us and empower us to walk out these promises given to us in this new covenant life that your son has bought for us on the cross. Protect us during our day, and may we always dwell in your presence, Lord Jesus. Amen.